You are tired of average. You want more out of life. You know you're capable of something greater. This show will help you become resilient in your home, at work, and in your community. Welcome to the Resilient Humans Podcast with your host, Kevin Wood. All right, welcome back to the Resilient Humans Podcast. And today, I have a former eight-year gym owner and now the Push Press co-founder and CEO, Dan. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. And thank you for not trying to say my last name and butchering that up. I, uh, I've i dealt with that every single time I've been introduced. So for, for your sake and for the audience's sake, my name is Dan Waymara. <laughs> Waymara. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't even attempt it. It's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a running, like every time someone starts saying my name, I cringe like, Oh boy, what are they going to do? Yeah. It's a tough yeah. one. It's just Dan. I'm just Kevin. There we go. You're chatting. Yeah. Here we go. It doesn't have to be too formal. Um, so yeah, tell my listeners, uh, give them a little background. Uh, who are you, where are you from? What do you do? And all the good stuff. Yeah. I try and give you a quick background. So, um, I was a lifelong software engineer. This is probably the same track as a lot of people listening to the show. I was a professional out there in the professional world doing professional things. Got to be about mid thirties or early thirties and realized I put on a bunch of weight and wasn't really happy with myself. <clears throat> kind of questioned why I was sitting so much time at a desk. I was a computer programmer, so I was doing internet architecture and engineering work. Found and fell in love with CrossFit. Um, I'm always, I've always been entrepreneurially minded. So the minute, like in the first workout, I'm like, holy crap, this is like a technology. This is not just workout. Like I saw it as a tech, right? Like this is actually something that's going to change the world, like leveraging the philosophies and the mindset that it has. This is something I've never seen before. So being the entrepreneur I am, I kind of dove headfirst into CrossFit all the way, started shadowing coaches, like taking every seminar and, you know, learning opportunity that they had, buying the high socks back in the day, getting my L1, helping people open gyms, ended up opening a gym when I got, I got laid off from my, uh, programming job at MySpace and uh, said, I'm going to open a gym. And that was kind of what parlayed me into like the few, the last 10 years of my life, I guess you can say, but yeah, that's how I found CrossFit and why I dove so deep into it. That's cool. I, I Somebody just posted that recently. I think it was this morning. They talked about the tall socks uh, that had like bacon on them. Everybody's taking pictures of their ripped hands, like the good old days. Right. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's definitely changed a lot. The whole the whole fitness scene has changed dramatically in the last 10 years. Um, we just celebrated our 15 year anniversary at wow. CrossFit Moncton recently. So um, yeah, talk about a, a massive difference in, in the whole atmosphere and environment. Um, not just here, years. but so worldwide. You, you opened the year I found CrossFit then, 2008. 2008, right? yeah. Wow. I started okay. myself in 2006. Wow, okay. So you're super early. We're up there, yeah. <laughs> when we went to the games last year, they had the the affiliate kind of names all up on the board and they were all in order. So I was up there like counting, where are we now in the, in the whole grand scheme of things? I think we were 78th in North America. Moncton of all places too. Crazy. eh? Man, yeah. that's great. That's crazy. Good job. Yeah. And so it's, I'm, I'm excited to have you on here today. One, because of your background and two, because of, what you're currently doing, I would consider you to be a very uh, high level entrepreneur. And so to be that high level, you need certain systems, processes in place. So I'd like to start early. What's your morning routine like? Oh, 
Yeah. So typically I wake up four or five in the morning. I don't set an alarm. I just wake up when I wake up. Um, a lot of times, honestly, it's my mind that wakes me up, not my body, which, uh, I hear you. I don't necessarily like that, but it is what it is. Um, I've given up fighting. I used to fight it. I used to try to sleep for another hour or two. And because a lot of times I wake up between, you know, four and five hours of sleep. So a lot of times I'm like pushing, trying to get six never works. So I just stopped lately or not lately, probably for the last year, I just get up. I read, I kind of think there's a lot of a big mental aspect to my day in the early morning, get a lot of thinking done, get a lot of reading done. Sometimes I write, like if I write blogs or write journals, I'll write kind of reflect on what the day looks like. Then I'll usually head to the gym, right? And I'm usually in the gym between 5.30 and 6.30, spend about an hour in there, um, grab a coffee, and then kind of get my day going here, which would be like morning routine stuff with my wife. And then I have an 8.30 uh, meeting with my assistant that kind of kicks off my entire work day. So that's that's the nice. early part. Have you read the book Savers by Hal Elrod? I have not. Savers. I've not even heard of that one. You're describing the savers. So savers is an acronym, um, silence, affirmations, visualizations, exercise, reading, and scribing. And so you're doing a big chunk of those as part of your morning routine, which is what Hal has figured out is those are the key components to being high level. Wow. Interesting. Um, yeah. I had no idea. Like, honestly, this is the, my quiet time is the time I can do all the me stuff. Right. And then once the day gets yep. flowing, like it's, it's off and running. So yeah, it's interesting. That's cool. Huh. Uh, yeah. And so that's what I teach when, when I teach my clients, uh, we pick one. So pick one of the savers and do that consistently for two or three weeks. And then once that becomes habit and routine, all right, let's focus on the next one. So we're not just overhauling everything all at once. It's pick one thing and kind of go from there. Yeah. Um, before, before recording, we kind of talked about, um, a few topics here. One that I'd like to dive into is uh, one of the quotes you said, business is like life. I'd really love you to dive into that and tell me what you mean by that. Yeah. So kind of in, in the frame of the whole point of this podcast about being a resilient human, I think a lot of people overcomplicate, a lot of people overcomplicate everything. And if I really want to be controversial, I can say that's been kind of force fed by people selling things. You know, the more pills you take, the more programs you do, the more like shiny objects you incorporate into your life, the more likely you're going to get what you want. And the reality I think <clears throat> is it's the unsexy, non-shiny object stuff that actually drive the bulk of everything forward, whether it's your life or your business. It's just showing up every day and doing the stuff that has to get done consistently and reliably. So this morning I woke up, my legs were tired. It happened to be leg day. The last thing I want to do is leg day. I just had to go and do leg day, right? Um, showing up and doing the things that aren't sexy is what is what matters. Yeah. What are those other unsexy things that people tend to avoid? Yeah. So like, again, in, in the gym, a lot of it will be like, I need new programming. I need new, I'm going to try this new protein. Oh, I'm going to do peptides or HGH or some other thing. Right. Um, but you know, the reality is you eat the right foods, the boring foods, the broccoli, if you will, um, you show up, you do leg day when you don't want to, you do cardio when you don't want to, you run an extra mile if, if you're not feeling like doing it. And you're, you know, it's probably pretty much all the things that you 
think are annoying or you don't really want to do are the things you need to do, right? It's just that simple. And it's all the fun, shiny objects that kind of present themselves that end up being distractions really along the way of what success looks like. And then business-wise, what do you think is, what are the things that are the dirty, consistent stuff that needs to be done versus the big, shiny stuff? I mean, in general, your market may vary. It depends on your business, right? Um, but like I just posted last night, um, we got we got a package from Amazon. I wish I had it here, but it was like some bedding and it was like wadded up in the little clear thing that they zip it up in. And it looked like hell. Like it looked like someone slept in it, threw it in the bag and shipped it back to Amazon. <laughs> and they just shipped it back to us. And I'm like, everyone along the line who touched that thing knew it was going to get returned. Like the minute we got it, we're like returning this. I don't like, I don't even know what happened to this. I don't want it. Um, and it could have taken someone three minutes to fold that thing nicely and just put it back in the thing. And then we would have gotten it and been fine. But because of that, like the driver, like think of the whole chain of people that touched that and the process that had to get that to our house, that's going right back. Someone's going to have to fold it eventually and, <laughs> or it gets thrown away. Right. And so I posted that last night on social media and I'm like, how many of you have a gym that has this thing somewhere in the corner of your gym, like a dust pile, a dirty toilet, like all those things are the unsexy things that people see, notice and feel when they come into your gym or if, you know, if, if um, any business you're running, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm making this a gym thing, it's just my world. But the bottom line is it's the little details. And, and so for me, I never grew up making my bed, never. I, I told you before the call, like my wife is the complete completion of me. She makes the bed every morning. So it's ever since maybe about a year ago, I started making the bed on my own. And I realized like these little consistent habits that like shape the mind and make you think in certain ways are everything that leads to success. Like how do you connect making a bed to being successful? I don't know, but it's like the actual practice of doing it matters a lot, you know? So it, it also is you know, how, how dirty the floor is in your room. Like I'm trying to keep my desk clean now. Like I'm trying to change a lot of things in my life. Cause I'm seeing this, right. Um, I've always been the quote unquote, like messy thinker, right? Like, I don't care if my desk messy, I need it to be messy. Cause I think a lot, but I don't, I, I think I've just told myself that story for years and I'm trying to change myself there. I like that. You just said that it's a story that you've been telling yourself because that's my definition of mindset. It's the story that you tell yourself to yourself and that's on loop. It's on repeat. And so if that's the story that you're telling yourself, you have the ability to tell yourself a different story. Exactly. And I'm looking at my desk right now thinking, I got to get this shit cleaned up. This is. Yeah. I mean, mine's I, not the cleanest either, but thing. for my standards, it's very clean. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I know everything is. I know that this pile, I know exactly what's in it and what's underneath. So yeah. um, absolutely. Um, I, I remember watching this video, uh, man, it was years ago. It was an old army general. He was giving a speech to a, to a group. You know what I'm talking it about. Was a, it was a commencement speech yeah. about making your bed. Right. That one always stuck with me because I didn't make my bed. Right. And it made me question yeah. myself. Yeah, that was a good one. If you haven't seen that, go watch that out there. That's a good one. I'll link that. I'll link that in the bio just so, uh, so people can find that very easily. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's about doing those small things consistently. That's what it's all about. And I like to relate that to the concept of consistency. What you do consistently is what's going to lead to your success down the road. And so doing small things repeatedly well add up over time. And again, you and I talked just before this about the uh, the typical you know, motto, uh, be 1% better than you were yesterday. Why, why does just knowing that 
Why is knowing that not enough? Well, I think, I think the, again, the, the standard thing that all of us do is we, we all say that and repeat that. And then the shiny object comes across our path and we gravitate towards it because it's a shortcut. It's more fun. It's sexier, whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, it really is like the, the actual discipline and dedication of staying on path when there's distractions all around you is a tough thing. Right. And, you know, you think of, um, oh, I'm trying to think there was a, there was a, it might've been Kobe, but there was a story I was just watching about an NBA player. And it was like, all the guys were going out to the club after, and it might, it probably was Kobe. And he's like, I well, think it maybe was. it was I, I saw that. Yeah. And he's like, I no, think I'm, I remember, go, yeah. I'm going to the gym to work on my game. Right. And I got to yeah. be up early. It's like those distractions of the nightclub or whatever, you know, whatever, you know, metaphor you want to put in there, they come up, they come upon us all the time. Right. And I'm not personally super religious, but like, I can see this in the, the, the angel and the devil side of the world. It's like the devil's always putting things in front of you. Right. Like, do you want to deviate from your path or, and take this thing over here? Or do you want to stay on path? Right. Like these are, these are struggles that humans have faced since the beginning of time, since the Bible's written on it. Right. So this isn't anything new and like it's, it's definitely core to the human existence. So being able to be focused enough to stay on track. The crazy thing is I think with social media and the world we're in now, that message is so amplified that enough people, like it is, there's not probably not a single person out there who hasn't seen a hundred, hundred videos lately with the same message on it. Right. It's just a matter of actually doing it as hard. So how do, how do people bridge that gap then? <clears throat> how do they go from, yes, I know I should be doing this but I'm not like, I, I hear the, it all the time. I yeah. hear it all the time. Right. I know what to do. I just don't do it. One of the most important things or more of the most resonant things that I heard recently was from one of our mutual friends, Dan Martell. Uh, I was talking about something and he was, he kind of brought up the fact that um, he'll pay to drop into gyms no matter where he goes. And his point was, Oh, he said he was, he was paying. He was at the drop in gym and another guy came in and he was like, Oh, it's 30 bucks to drop in. Forget it. I'm, I'm going to go and didn't, didn't go. And Dan was like, he turned to me and he's like, you know what that tells me is like exactly how much that person values himself, right? If you're not worth $30, then how do you see yourself, right? I kind of took that and really let that sink and marinate in me. And I'm like, everything I choose that I want, it's my choice. And I have to choose how much I value what I want or, or, my, or my own self or whatever to decide if I want to get up and do it. And I don't, I get up and I don't want to do leg day. I go do leg day because I value myself that much. You know, I think that's probably the biggest thing people have to start thinking about is like, I, I have choice A and choice B. Do I, do I really value myself? Cause which one's a better choice for me? Right. That, you think that's that coming back down to the why is that, is that equivalent to you? Like the value of something and the why of why you're why you want it or why you're doing it in the first place. Yeah. I think the why is important. And, and honestly, like if we want, I, I, this is all enveloping in front of me, like, interestingly enough, like, I think you definitely have to choose what you want, right? Like I want to lose a bunch of weight. I want to, what, what is it that you want? But then you probably should go a step deeper and say, why, why do I want it? Right. I want to lose 20 pounds. Why? Because I want to look good at the beach. Not good enough right? Like that why needs to be intrinsic to you. Like there needs to be something because I deserve to live longer because I don't want to die because my children need me, right? Like there needs to be something intrinsic to that why. And if you haven't found the intrinsic part, you keep asking yourself, why, why do I look better on the beach? Oh, because I want to date. Why do I want to date? Oh, because I'm lonely. Oh, there we go. I don't want to be lonely, right? 
something like that. Um, so yeah, once you get once you get the what and you determine the why, then you can start to choose like your daily decisions based on how strongly you align with that what and why, right? Two two things came to mind there. One, the the we call it the five whys. It's a precision nutrition strategy. When you get to the fifth why, there's a good chance it's the actual deepest reason for it. So we'll keep asking it and in different ways. We won't just keep saying why, why, why we'll say, and what difference will that make? Mm -hmm. And how will that make things different? And, yep. and so on. Right. The second thing that came to mind was um, a, a book I read years ago. And I use this with my nutrition and mindset clients uh, called the ant, the elephant, <clears throat> the elephant represents your subconscious. How do you control an elephant? If you want an elephant to go from point A to point B, how would you control it to do so? Just put some peanuts in front of it or something. Uh, yeah. But the answer is you can't just grab its ears and steer it, right? Yeah. You can't yeah, yeah. physically control the elephant, but what you can do is set up fences. And so if you guide the elephant to its direction, then you can start to control your subconscious. So that's generally what, what sabotages people it's they think and they say oh i know what to do i just don't do it the just don't do it part is your subconscious it's that elephant running loose it has yep. no boundaries or guidelines but what you and your conscious has is a decision to set up these boundaries so like i was saying before we have this meal delivery service it sets up this fence that this is yeah. this is what we have and it's what we're going to eat are we paying a premium for it Yes, but it's also convenient, healthy, and it's delivered to our door. Damn. Well, that's a pretty good fence. I like that option, right? Yeah. Smaller it's... things that people do, like oh, putting putting their, their gym clothes out the night before. I You're setting <laughs> something up, right? Yeah, I do it all the time. Yeah. It's right at the foot of my bed, ready to go. So then I don't have to decide or talk myself out of it while I'm getting ready in the morning. It's It's already prepared. Same thing with my breakfast. Everything's laid out. The, the shaker bottle, the plate, the fork, everything's ready to rock before I wake up. So I don't have to, there's no decision. I just do it. Yep. You know, um, you just kind of blew my mind with that elephant analogy because I've been long trying to figure out a way to describe to people why I overspend on certain things and why people should too. And, and I think that's one of them. There's probably more, but overspending for boundaries like you're paying for the fence. You're not paying yep. for the food. I mean, the food is like great, but you're paying to put yourself in a fence to train your yep. subconscious to do something you know is better for you because you value yourself to that degree, right? Is the food worth, I don't know what you spend, 600 bucks a month for the food, for what you get? Probably not, but but the fence is, and the food the food is bonus, right? That's cool. Yeah. So the same thing with like pay, overpaying for a gym or personal trainer. Sometimes people get personal trainers just for accountability. Like this person's showing up, I have to go show up and I paid him a hundred dollars an hour to be there or her to be there. And, um, that's the fence I paid for. And you know what, on the flip side, I used to be a bartender. Some people used to pay for the convenience of having someone to talk. Like the flip side of it is they would pay me as a bartender just to talk to them, tip me, buy a bunch of drinks just for the purpose of having a friend. Right. So it's like you choose where you spend your money and like how you want that to, uh, to, to affect your life. It's true. Have you heard the sunglasses analogy? Mm, no. You get a free pair of sunglasses. How much shit do you give about them? Oh yeah, totally. You don't give a shit. But if you pay $500 for a pair, pair of sunglasses, what are you going to do to make sure they don't get scratched or lost? 
everything. <laughs> right? Like yeah. it's the same thing. And it's yeah. like you said, people that pay for personal training or these, you know, executive transformation programs, they're paying a premium, but they're also going to value it way more than the people that just come in and sign up for an open gym. And they just yep. come and do whatever they want, whenever they want, which is not very often as we've seen in the past. So yeah, it comes down to value and it's literally putting your money where your mouth is. Yeah. Yep. Love it. Um, I'd love to hear your uh, definition of resiliency. I've, I've interviewed a dozens, dozens of people on this topic and every person that I've, I've asked, I've received a different answer, which I really uh, enjoy. So I'd love to hear what your definition of resilience is. That's a tough one. I wasn't prepared for this. Let's see. Being resilient is being like unfettered in your ability to achieve what you want. Once you set your mind to something, you're, you're, you're basically, okay. I'm, I'm a big believer in this theory called the infinite game. Infinite game says you can never win a game against somebody who will play until infinity or till death, right? One way or the other. Being resilient is turning your life into a game of infinite games, right? So the things you choose that are important for you, there is no timeline to winning it. You will win, right? And if you win sooner than you ex expect, you've already reset your goals and re you know readjusted your your calibration to to something further down the road. That's what resilient people do. Have you ever seen that Will Smith interview where he talked about the dying on the treadmill? No. It's set it, that as soon as you said that, that's the first thing that popped into my mind. He said, "If you're beside me on a treadmill." And it's, it's a race to see who will quit first. He said, I will die on this treadmill before I give up. Yeah. That's it. You just, it's yeah. that infinite game. I will go forever and I will die before, before I quit. Yeah. It's, it's a really, it's, it's so part of these morning reading things I do, like I read a lot about war, right. And war strategy because war, business is war in my opinion. And there, there is a thing in war about infinite wars. And like, so you look at like, you know, the war in the Middle East, Vietnam, probably what's happening in Ukraine right now, these will end up being infinite wars because you're attacking someone on their homeland and they're not going to give it up. And they will, all, every single person there will just choose to die over succumbing. Right. And when you get into a battle like that, what, how do you win that? Right. When, when every single citizen, maybe not every single citizen in some of these cases, but you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to literally eliminate every single person to win the war and they know everywhere to hide. They can wait you out. They can pretend, you know, they can play all the games they want. You, and you have to figure it out. There's no way you can win that war. So when time's not on your side, and this is why if you're listening, fitness is better started today than tomorrow, because when time's on your side, you can play the infinite game. When time's not on your side, you cannot, and you cannot, it's hard to win finite games when there's a time, when there's a time clock on it. How do people take that into their um, professional life? I guess, it's, I mean, it's, it's all the same concept, right? And this is kind of like business is the same as life. Professional careers are the same as life and same as business. You can, you can really play the same game. Like if you know what you want to be, and this is probably the challenge is most people don't know what they want to be in 20 years, right? They're just doing what they're doing because it pays them money. But if you really know what you want to be, for instance, 
I know I want PushPress to be the best gym software for all gyms. If it takes me 20 years to do it, I'll do it. Like no one's going to beat me. I have all the time in the world, right? If someone's pressed for time, like, you know, a lot of our competitors are baked into time boxed investment schemes where they have to like return money in so many years. I will always win because I don't have seven years to do anything. I, I can take 20. I can just wait them out. So same thing with your career. If you know you want to get into senior management of a company, play the long game, right? Like, no, just play it out. Like you don't need to do it in two years. That's probably what's going to screw you up. Like stretch that out over time. Think about exactly all the steps you need to take one step at a day, one step a day at a time. Right. And if it's not happening at your company because of politics, or whatever, change companies, you, you have your whole career to do it. Right now. I think, yeah, everyone wants to do things fast and that's the problem. I feel, well, I feel like fast is the big and shiny. It is. It's the opposite of what, right? The, there's there's the, not many examples in nature or in the world, in the natural order of, of the world where something that happens fast has longevity. And on right. the flip side, there's, there's a lot of examples where things that happen slow and naturally have longevity, right? So it's all about objectives. I'm, I mentor some entrepreneurs and I'm like, Hey man, if you just want to make 20 million bucks and get the hell out and go like ski for the rest of your life, do what you're doing. But if you want to change the world, don't stop that because you will flame out. There's no way you can sustain what you're doing forever. Right. Hmm. And it's just about objectives. Some people just want to hit like a title and just get the hell out. Cool. Do then do that. Right. So and you're not saying there's anything wrong with that. It's just wrong knowing, it's, knowing what you want. You got to know what you want. Right. And why you want it. Like, why, why are you doing that? How does one determine that? I, I know for businesses, it's, it's nice and, you know, almost cliched to have a mission and vision and value statement pl plastered on the wall. Uh, that's not enough for me. It has, it has to be more than that. So what's your advice to entrepreneurs or business owners to, to find out what their why is? Yeah, nothing will destroy a business faster than saying your mission is one thing or saying your values are one thing and then acting another way. That That's the fastest way to destroy the morale of your company. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's a very personal thing and it's tough because I don't think everyone has the emotional, was it the EQ, to be able to sit down and say like, I want to do this because I want to do this. Not because society's told me so, not because some investor told me so, not because... I want to look cool to the PTA, whatever, you know, like it, it is a hard thing to, and, and I do think this is where people who sit and meditate and reflect and write and read have a better chance of coming to these self, um, mm. you know, self, self opinions that they, they, they're able to stand on without worrying about what other people, you know, think or feel. So that would be the first step is like being able to get to a point where you genuinely know what you want. And then from there, you know, as long as you're honest about that, you you can start to set up things in in a slow, stable fashion that can get you in that direction. I I find it's it's makes decisions easier once you know what the why is, because then you just take any decision that's in front of you, put it side by side with that why, and if it doesn't match up, it's an easy no. Yeah. If it does match up, then it's an easy yes. There's no. Sometimes there's it's no not clear. an easy no. I think the the skill of saying no is vastly overlooked. I struggle with this too. And I, I spend a lot of time thinking about these things. And, you know, like, so here, here's my problem as, as an entrepreneur. I'm so in touch with my being a gym owner and being in the gym owner's shoes. You come to me and say you have a problem. I'm going to say, everyone stop the fucking trucks. Excuse my language. Stop the trucks. Fix this problem, right? Because 
Kevin's got a problem, but that's not good to do either. Right. So it's like being able to say like, we, we, we have a plan and we're sticking to the plan. I think to, to, for me, that that's been my recent level up is just saying like, we've already got 2024 planned. We know exactly what we want to do in terms of themes and direction and why. And now I've given my team the power to say like, Hey, if I come to you with like this thing, because I will, there will be a shiny object thing that I think is the moment and I'll lose my mind over it and I will bring it to you. And you tell me no, because I told you not, I told you to, right? So yeah. You're just setting up fences and boundaries. I am. Controlling your elephant. Yeah. We have to understand like we are all going to be susceptible to these shiny objects, right? No matter how dialed in we are. And I think a true Zen business person is like, they effectively can say no 94 times out of a hundred. Like that is their default answer. I'm an optimist. So it's like, I always start with yes. And that's my problem. Right? Yeah. That's something I had to learn obviously the hard way uh, throughout the years, but it was, we would used to, we used to send out member surveys. Everybody gets an opinion. And then the problem with that was that every single person that responded expected there to be a change for what they said. Well, that wasn't the point, but they didn't realize that. So we got rid of those surveys. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter. It's, I would, it's my, I would, my vision. I would, I would in some degree com- fight that, dispute that theory. I'm, I'm on the other side of the camp on that one, but it has to be done right. Like everyone has to understand, like, I'm not asking you for your opinion because I'm going to do 300 different things next year. I need to know where my biggest blind spots are. And, and it might come back like all this stuff. And what I realize is like, I don't put enough emphasis on coach development and it has nothing to do with anything you said, but what I realized is the symptom of all the, or the cause of all these symptoms is coach development. And I'm going to work on that. So it has to be completely framed to the client base because a business without feedback is blind. Right. Yes. And, and I think a business with, and, and I've heard people say like, Oh, ask your ex best members. I think that's folly because those people are going to be yes men. Like you actually have to get people who are going to tell you the hard truth about some things. And you've come to me with a whole bunch of things like this sucks about push press, like fix this. I ha- if I don't listen to that and I'm like, well, you're not my best customer yet, Kevin, I'm not going to listen to you. That's not okay either. You know? True. Yeah. <clears throat> I think the questioning is important. And so blanket questions generally yeah. don't work. They have to be specific. So if we have, if we have a group of people that come out of our onboarding, I want to ask them specifically about the onboarding. If they've only been to two classes, I'm not going to ask them about, so what do you think about our programming after two mm-hmm. classes? They don't know yet. They have exactly. they don't have that experience. So there's no point in plastering a um a general questionnaire and saying rate our programming on a scale of one to ten. Well, the people that just started have no there's no opinion because yep. they haven't developed that opinion yet. So yep. um yeah. So I I would agree with that. Like in the software world, that's called CSAT, which is like customer satisfaction scores. So you ask people after onboarding, after setting up their classes, after certain experiences, like how was that? What what do you think was great? What could be better? Whatever. Um, And I think something that's missing in most gyms is what's called like an NPS, which is just like, you've probably seen it. How likely are you to refer my business to your friend? One to 10. Those are super powerful because not only do you learn like their sentiment, but you actually open up the doors for like, hey, you you didn't like us. What can we do? Or you you told me you would totally recommend to a friend. Do you have a friend that wants to come to the gym, right? Right. Um, so you can actually open up those conversations. Yeah, I think that's those two things are missing in gyms quite a bit. Cool. Circling back to the resilience topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have any? <laughs> it's all good. 
it's hard. I saw something that said, put two CrossFitters in a room together. And if the topic isn't CrossFit, it would be a shock. It would be, it would be all next to impossible. So, um, going back to the resilience piece, do you have any particular stories from your life where you feel that you've exuded the, the character trait of resiliency? Yeah. I mean, generally being an entrepreneur, uh, I just put up a, uh, Instagram reel recently where I was like, Hey, being an entrepreneur is like being punched in the face every day. And, um, the actual quote I got that, or the, the mindset I got that from was from the guy named Naval. And he says like, it, to be an entrepreneur, you have to be willing to bleed every day. Like literally just give yourself a paper cut or even a laceration every day. Cause that's what it's like to be a business person. And you do that with the faith that at some point down the road, you've accomplished your, your vision and your goal. You're helping a whole bunch of people and your rewards will come later. But it's a painful process in the beginning. So as I'm sure, you know, um, I also am a recovering drug addict or recovered. I actually, uh, I, I shouldn't say recovered, but it's been, uh, 11 years, it's 11 or 12 years now. So many, I don't nice. even count anymore, but, um, I remember sitting in the meetings in the, in the height of my lows or the lows of my lows, I guess. And thinking there's no way all the, well, I would go to speaker meetings. So they're the easiest ones. The speakers would get up and say something like, oh, I used to be you and I stopped doing drugs. And now my life looks like this. And every time I go to those meetings, I'm like, this is such bull. Like, there's no way someone like me could end up like someone like that. Like, they're just up there trying to make us feel better. That has very cynical. And I remember meeting one of them in the bathroom, <clears throat> talking to him. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm not really buying what you're selling. Like, I get it. It's a cool story. And he's like, I promise you. You just show up every day and you do the right thing every day. And in three to five years, your entire life will change to a degree you won't even imagine it. And in 10 years, you're going to have everything you want. And like his words are 100% true. And I I didn't really believe him, but I had no choice being in the situation I was in. I was in legal trouble and um, I had to I had to walk the right side of the road. And I just slowly started to adopt everything that they said and it all came true. Like you just do the right thing every day. And the, the one thing I tell everyone that stuck with me is like, I just keep my side of the street clean. It doesn't matter if this person's super pissed off or angry about something. It's like, I'll do everything I can that is in my responsible realm to make the situation better. And I'm not going to sleep bad about it. And I'm not, and that will keep me doing the right things tomorrow, you know? So, yeah. Cool. Right on. I would love to ask you one final question. And that's if you could give one piece of practical advice to our listeners to become more resilient, what would that advice be? I think, I think it starts with doing an audit, kind of what we were talking about earlier and trying to be as honest with yourself about who you are, what you want, and why you want it, right? The who you are part is kind of like your mission, vision, values statement that we were talking about earlier. Like you stand for something as a, as a human being, who are you? What do you, what do you stand for? What do you, what do you here for? What do you want to do with your life? That's a reflection of your mission, vision, values, right? Decide now and make it, we call it a big, hairy, audacious goal. Like make it way out there, right? Like something you couldn't dream yourself doing. And then, and then write down why you want to do it. Like, what is the purpose of this? Because if you can connect your, your human identity, who you, you know, who you are with, a mission that you want to do. And it's and the why connects back to the, who you are. Like, I want to do this. And this is why, because this, this circles right back to who I am as a person, you're set up to do it. And then you just got to get up every day and take one step every day and know it's going to be a 20 year hike. 
right? It's not, a, it's not a run. It's not a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's, it is a, it's a ruck, you know, and you're putting weight on every day, but you're getting stronger every day too. So I, I would say, start with that audit, right? Right. And write them down and put them somewhere where you can see them every day. That's key too. Love it. I've heard the, the BHAG before big hairy audacious goal. And another way I've seen it said is set a goal so large, you have to be somebody different or in order to achieve it. Yeah. You will change three or four times along the way. Yeah. Yeah. And those that help you get to where you are, won't be the ones that help to get you to where you're going to go. Yeah. I guess that's another, another key point too, is like audit where you spend your time thinking and who you spend your time with. Right. So if you're spending your time thinking about things that don't align with your goal, knock that off immediately, find ways to knock that off. I think that's why I started reading a lot and, and writing a lot because it would fill my television time and television time generally is not good. Right. Um, and yeah, you got to be around people who have been where you want to be, not who are trying to get there with you. Right. Huge. That's, yeah. that goes back to the, you're the, the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Correct. hundred percent. Yeah. Totally good. I would love, uh, to give you a few moments. If you have anything else you'd like to share with our listeners, um, Now's the time. Let us know. Oh man. Um, I mean, all, all I would share to the to the audience base of this group is like, you guys are doing the right things going to the gyms. I think you're prioritizing your lives in the right ways. I'm assuming we got gym goers listening to this. Um, as a society, we need to fight the the devils of nutrition, you know, the fast food and the sugars and the take this pill instead of working out. Like we're going to end up like Wally out there. I don't know if you've seen that movie, Wally. Yeah. Um, get your friends in the gym, like be a champion amongst your friends, get the people you love to just try it. Even if it's at home in the garage with you and you're doing how, just have them do 10 burpees, whatever, like get them to move, get them to feel themselves, get them to love themselves too. Too much of this world is, uh, you know, they're stuck on the couch, loathing themselves, but they don't know what to do and they need more champions in their lives. So get out there and do that. Man. I just had a friend. His name's also Dan just posted, uh, this morning, his sister, um, never, never did gym, anything like that in her life. And she just started showing up to their home gym and he's trying to get her to get into the CrossFit Moncton gym. And, uh, this month she set a goal to row. I want to say it was 64,000 meters this month. And she met that goal halfway through the month. So, so then she doubled it. Damn. And so just yet, just yesterday it was uh 124,000 meters in the month. And this August. person was completely new to all exercising, never fitnessed before. See? And it's like, I guarantee you that's already changed her mindset on who she is. And she's hundred percent. Yeah. Like, Every single human being out there has this potential in them. And, you know, I think we're like 10% of 10% of them are out there doing it. Like there's a big ocean of people that need to find this too. And they'll yeah. love themselves more for doing it. It's the influence that we have. It's not, it's one thing to say, Hey, do this. It's another one to say, Hey, look at what we're doing. Would you like to join us? I'll give you one That's more, um, one more drug, drug, uh, program thing. <laughs> There's so many actually good life lessons you can learn in, in the program, but they would always say um, attraction over promotion. Yeah. Like if you know people who need help to be in this program, you can't tell them to come, but you can show them how good your life is now and you can make them want to come. Right. So 100%. same thing with fitness. Absolutely. 
Dan, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for coming. And uh, I know our listeners will will pull a lot of golden nuggets out of this episode. So thank you. It was awesome. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest episodes, be sure to subscribe and I'll see you next time.